This is the Resurrection Identity Podcast, and my name is Tyler Miller. What would it look like if we were to make Jesus the true Lord over our emotions, to surrender and live from our heart before the Lord and with each other? Today is Season 1, Episode 2, and we're talking about resurrected vulnerability. Let's go. Welcome back to the Resurrection Identity Podcast. I'm so honored that you have chosen to listen to this episode, Season 1, Episode 2. We're going to be talking about vulnerability today and what that looks like as a believer. I think for many of us, we get very concerned about vulnerability because we've seen it used in ways that maybe aren't real vulnerability, but are attempts at vulnerability, but really it just turns into clinginess or uh, difficulty or complaining or things like that. When I'm talking about vulnerability, I am talking about carrying a broken spirit and a contrite heart. So what I mean by that is living a life of humility, surrender, and repentance before the Lord and with each other in our everyday lives. This is an intentional thing that we need to be pursuing as believers because it affects our relationships in every sphere. When you're living a life of vulnerability, you're actually going deep with people in ways that the majority of the population refuses to. You're actually going to places with people in the spirit that other others are not willing to. So I want to dive deep into this today. What does the word show us about how to live in vulnerability? Maybe what are some examples? And then I want to talk about how vulnerability has played out in my own life through some personal stories. If you're a believer, you need to know that God is interested in your heart, right? We know this from scripture, and we also know that God is interested in working on us. He is always doing this holy surgery in us, and it's called sanctification, which is the act of God making us holy as he is holy. I think we get to places sometimes where we start to think, you know, I don't need to be vulnerable. I don't need to be open. I don't need to share my heart with anybody because it's it's annoying. It, people don't need to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And I think truly what's going on is people are really desiring true vulnerability, true honesty, true openness of heart and mind from their friends. But we're so afraid to go there because what if it's not reciprocated? What if I'm looked down upon? Or what if people think I'm emotional or too much or too needy or anything like that? So let's just dispel those rumors and let's just dispel that darkness because ultimately that's not what God says about it. (laughs) That's not the example that we see in scripture. God is a God of vulnerability with us. He is so open. What more vulnerable thing could there be than to offer your life for someone else to be stripped almost naked and be hanging on a cross publicly for the sins of all humanity? I can't think of anything more vulnerable and more loving and more open than that in my entire life. I will never know what that is like, but he does and he's here and he's in the middle of this conversation. I feel like in our culture, especially as men, there is this desire to seem masculine and seem together in front of people. And we think it's better to stifle what's actually going on inside of us than it is to be honest and speak something truthful. It's easier 
to ignore an issue or to ignore something that's going on internally, all usually because of fear and insecurity of how we'll be perceived, than it is to open up to someone and chance having a truly vulnerable conversation with them. A conversation that will actually lead to a resurrected relationship with them. So I believe that God is always after our heart. The Bible is very clear that man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And he wants us to be people who live from our heart openly and honestly. And I think for a long time in my own life, I thought that being a person of great faith meant not having emotions, shoving them down and just saying, nope, everything's going to be good. In Jesus' name, everything is totally fine. And there are no issues. And I have faith, so there are no issues. And frankly, that's just not the example we see in Scripture. If you read the book of Psalms, you see David lifting his heart up before the Lord over and over and over again. And he doesn't stay in a place of despondency and fear or anguish, but he always takes a moment, pauses, and remembers who God is. And then he responds according to that knowledge of God, that relationship with God. He's being open and honest about where he's actually at, and he's doing it with God. That's the example I think that we're supposed to follow as people of God. Man is always looking at the outside. We're concerned about what are people going to say about me if I bring up this issue? What are people going to say about me if I'm honest about the fact that, yeah, I'm in full-time ministry, but there are things that are still challenges in my life and things that I desperately need the Lord to work with me on. And I think that we get so afraid of that. We get so afraid of what's the perception going to be in public? What's my church going to think of me? That we end up sacrificing vulnerability on the altar of looking good. And frankly, that's not what God's after because, like I said earlier, we know that God is always focused on our heart. So to be these people that live from our hearts, we need to get really comfortable with being people of integrity and honesty. The integrity and honesty that Jesus lived in. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jesus talked about love with his disciples. Jesus was moved to tears. Jesus had compassion on people. He didn't just go and declare things all the time and then pretend like nothing was wrong. He gets to the point of sweating blood. So when we look at Jesus, we see this marvelous example of living in honesty, living in integrity without putting on some sort of show or again, living in a place of making people annoyed or just creating drama for no reason. In Matthew 26, starting in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, Sit here while I go and pray nearby. He took Peter, Jacob, and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into agony. And he said to them, My heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I am dying. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away, and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. This example in the garden, 
before Jesus is crucified is direct vulnerability. He tells his friends, notice he doesn't just pray to the father about how he's feeling. He tells his friends that he takes with him specifically Peter, Jacob, and John, or Peter, James, and John, depending on the translation. And he says, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Do you have friends that you can be that open with, that you can tell them, hey, I really need to talk to you. I feel crushed right now and I feel desperate and I'm not really sure why. Would you be able to process this with me? And I cannot tell you what an immense gift it is to know people that I can be that level of honest with. I think in the church, we've gotten to a place a lot of the time where we just do the Sunday church thing, right? We talk about very surfacey things. I understand that there's not time to talk to every person deeply for hours. And if you're at charismatic church, we talk a lot. We'll stay for like hours after the service. But I want to talk about, if I'm going to talk with you, I want to talk about deep things. And this is something I want to work on in my own life because it's easy to just do the surface thing. It's faster and it's easier, but I think God is calling us as believers to deeply know one another. I believe Jesus knew his disciples and that the disciples knew Jesus and that there's this call to oneness. And if you read John 17, the high priestly prayer that Jesus offers about his disciples and about us in the future as his future disciples, it is so pure. It is so beautiful the way he talks about the oneness that we were called to have with one another and also with him. So let's look at that for a second. Go to John 17, starting in verse 22. And it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Unity comes through vulnerability. We know that Christ is coming back for a unified, pure and spotless bride. And I think as the church, We've gotten so incredibly dissonant as a people because we're very concerned about our denominations and our traditions and things that truly can't even be found in the word. And we stake our claim on these things, which are based in religion and not in relationship with Jesus and certainly not in relationship with one another. And I believe Jesus is calling us higher today. He's calling us to follow him as one people. I believe we are to be pursuing oneness with each other. And I believe the biggest way we can probably do that is by being vulnerable, by honestly having conversations with people. And when we're talking to believers, especially from other denominations, and they hurt us in some way, or we hurt them, there needs to be conversations and reconciliation. There doesn't need to be more bitterness and more offense and walls constructed. 
so that we can just yell at each other from our wall. I'm tired of that. And I think it's time for the church to wake up and to grow up and to stop doing that. We need to reflect the image of Christ to a weary and dying world because if we don't, who's going to? No one. So I feel very passionate about this. I want to be like my savior in that. I just love that. That's so, that example in Matthew is just so gripping. Jesus, this man, 33, right? Like man age, you're 33. I'm 33 right now. I'm not bragging and saying I'm, saying I'm more manly than everyone else, but I am the same age as Jesus right now. But what I see in him is like, despite the fact that he's at his peak, he's like, at this amazing age of manhood, he's he's at the pinnacle of his ministry. He's not afraid to open up. And this is Jesus. Talk about like pastors. We have so many pastors who won't talk about what's going on internally. And we hear about suicides and things like that that go on in ministry. And it's mind-blowing. And we're like, how did they get to that point? I think so much of it is because we feel like we can't open up because we're in leadership and you're not allowed to. And what will people say? And what will I look like? And all of that is just such a lie from the enemy. And I just believe tonight, if you're listening to this and you're a pastor or you're in ministry or you're a believer, a longtime believer, and you're like part of your church, you're a servant in your church, you need to know that if you're not allowed to be honest about what's going on in your life at your church, that's a problem and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be addressed with your pastor or with whoever you talk to at your church. Like hopefully your pastor can talk to you about that and they're not encouraging you to not go through things and just to ignore it as if it's not real. But I just know it's so true. I've heard this for people that are married all the time. You know, we get to a place where we're so passive about things sometimes we we become passive aggressive and we just bottle all of our emotions and all of the things that come up and all the offenses and we just keep stuffing them down until one day you explode right we've seen that in our own lives growing up a lot of us grew up in houses like that in some way and maybe we learned that in some way from our parents or siblings or whatever and i'm at the point now in my life where like i don't really care what i witnessed growing up i don't really care what you witnessed growing up the Bible is very clear in how we are to be with one another and we're to be operating in oneness and love and unity, which takes integrity and honesty. And so I think it's time for us to stand up against these excuses like, well, that's how my family does it. That's how I was raised or this is just how I am. No, it's not because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new resurrected creation and Holy Spirit is calling you higher right now. And I just feel like whoever is listening right now, I feel like the Lord has something that he's revealing to you right now that needs to go. There's something you need to be open about and something you need to release to him. God knows your heart. Jesus thinks about you all day long. He thinks all these amazing thoughts for you. How many are his thoughts for you? They're greater than the amount of sand on the seashore, it says in the Psalms. So you can know that there is nothing you're going through that Jesus doesn't already know about and doesn't already care about. Because that's who he is. He is compassionate. So I wonder, is there something that you've been holding back from Jesus? You've thought there is something in your life maybe that I can't even bring up with the Lord because I'm embarrassed of it. Maybe it's trauma from your past. Maybe you've walked through something like abortion. Maybe you've walked through something like pornography addiction or drug addiction, or I don't know how bad it got. Maybe it was something so dark that you can't even put voice to it. Can I tell you that Jesus already knows and he wants to meet you in the middle of it right now? And I believe as you lean into him 
And as you invite Holy Spirit to work on your behalf and to illuminate things to you, I believe that he's going to lead you step by step into how to go about making corrections and to walk out your healing. Jesus wants us to be healed, but the first step to our healing, the first step to our freedom, we have to speak what's going on, which is where this vulnerability comes in. So I believe that today, Jesus wants to give you a resurrection of vulnerability. He wants to resurrect that in your life. Let me talk to the men for a second. I feel like women have a much better grasp on their emotions. I think in general, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but in general, women are a lot more self-aware. And I think that's part of how they're created. (laughs) They're just more aware of what's going on with them. And for men, a lot of the time we're, I don't want to say oblivious, but we're oblivious. Okay. And again, we've kind of learned these models of stifling things and then doing things like a silent treatment and not speaking to our spouse for weeks on end or um, just, you know, thinking, well, it'll all blow over. I'm just going to wait till this blows over. And can I tell you, friend, honestly, when you're operating like that, you're just operating out of pride. If you won't come to a place of vulnerability, especially with your spouse, and I know you can get mad at me. I'm single right now. Uh, but (laughs) I'm not trying to tell you how to be married. I'm just trying to tell you what I really believe the Bible is instructing all of us to do. And that's always our model. It's not my opinion. I want to do what the word of God says. So I just want to tell you, the word tells you that you need to love and cherish your wife and serve her like Christ loves and serves the church. Like that's, that's your goal, right? So if you are this person, like you're not serving your wife by a silent treatment and waiting for stuff to blow over. That's not a good way to handle any relationship, even friendship. This can go for friends too. And family relationships with siblings, parent child relationship, things need to be brought out into the open because where the light is, the dark can't stay. When you hide it in the dark, what happens when you're going on that silent treatment, you're planting seeds of bitterness in your spouse and seeds of resentment in yourself and in them. And you're basically asking for a plant of bitterness to grow in you. You're allowing it. You're coming into agreement with it. And frankly, it's demonic. It's total resentment and bitterness. It's giving the enemy a foothold willingly. And I believe that the Lord wants to heal you of that. So the first thing would be, can you ask someone for help? Can you ask your spouse for help? Obviously ask God for help, but can you take it to a person, maybe your best friend? If you don't have very many friends, Go to the closest family member you have, whatever it takes that you can speak out what you're going through. I remember in my life, my gosh, when I was struggling with homosexual attraction, it was the worst thing because I thought I had to keep it in the dark. And the more I kept it in the dark, the worse things got because I was making agreement with the dark. And when you agree with the dark, you're actually pushing the light back. You're pushing the light away. But Jesus came so that we could have life and life abundantly. He didn't come so we could stay in bondage in the dark. Amen? So I started talking, I think when I was 19, I started finally talking about what I was struggling with and what my temptations were. I started opening up to people. And then I soon found out, wow, I'm really not alone in this. This is just something the church doesn't really talk about. And then I found more and more people and I found support and I found help and it didn't have control over me in the same way as it did when I didn't talk about it. This might sound really basic to you, but I think there's a whole culture of people who refuse 
to ever say anything that would make them look like they're not in complete control. Here's the great thing. We're not supposed to be in complete control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit, but it comes by the spirit. So when I'm trying to have self-control in my flesh and just seem really together, that's actually my arrogance on display. I think these are just great things to consider. So, you know, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I think these are just really important lessons to consider, especially for the men among us. The I think this is huge for us. And I think depending on how you were raised, it could be very hard or very simple, depending on what was modeled for you. But for most men, emotional availability and vulnerability was not modeled to us. That's not something men feel comfortable with. And I'm just here to tell you today that Jesus wants to be Lord of your emotions. Amen. Jesus doesn't want to just be Lord of outside things or peripheral things at church. Jesus wants to be Lord of every area of your life. Are you willing to give your emotions to him? Are you willing to go have that conversation with your spouse because Jesus told you to? Or are you going to hold on to your pride and say, well, no, they wronged me and I can't get over it and I'm bitter from 20 years ago and what it's time to get over it. It's time to be resurrected from it because again, you're not your old man anymore. You are a new creation. And so you get to live out a new creation life. And so I want to encourage you. This is good news today. Sometimes you have to go what seems like downhill a little bit before you can run back to the peak. It's so good to do it, though. It's so good to run down the hill because you get momentum to go up the hill. So I just want you to know it might feel like, oh, I'm going to crash. This is terrible. But when you take risks with vulnerability, the reward is right there. It's right on the other side of it. And I understand sometimes some issues are easier than others to deal with. I get that. But generally speaking, when we are going out there and we're just risking, we're like, I'm going to be open and honest. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live from my heart. I don't care that I'm a man. It's not a macho thing to be totally closed down to my children and to my spouse and to my friends and to my family. That's not actually a biblical masculine thing to do. It's it's anti-biblical, I would say. It's actually um, just rooted in pride in the flesh. So when you start realizing that and you start making the change, you know what? I want my kids to know what I think of them. I need to be able to tell them what they mean to me. I, of course, need to be able to tell my spouse what she means to me as she is a gift from God. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you today, especially men, but women too. Maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you grew up in a family where the mom was very closed off and very shut down to emotions and for a lot of different reasons. Maybe she was abused. Who knows? I want to invite everyone who struggles with this to surrender this area of your life, this area of pride or arrogance that comes against vulnerability and honesty. I want you to surrender to the Lord right now. I want you to ask Jesus to become the Lord of your vulnerability and to resurrect the vulnerability that you have pushed off or tamped down. There have been many times for me where I have had to speak something out and I really didn't want to because it was painful or made me sad in some way. And just to be vulnerable with you guys, a lot of the things that I find challenging right now have to do with being single. I never planned on being single in my 30s. I never thought that this would be the case, but because of my background and addiction that I was involved in and attractions and all this stuff, 
life has turned out differently than I thought it would when I was maybe 18 or 19. So singleness for me actually can bring up some really raw emotions. Now, I don't personally believe that I am going to be single for the rest of my life. I don't really believe for myself that that's God's call on my life. If he changes that in the future, okay. But um, I know people do feel called to that, right? People really experience the grace to live in that and the blessing of that, and they feel called to celibacy, and that's awesome if that's you. That's so good. But for me, I've really felt ever since hitting 30 that I want to get married. There's like a desire in me that actually did not used to exist because of all the stuff, all the junk I was going through in my 20s with homosexual attraction and um, pornography. So once I got enough distance from those things, it was amazing how God started forming me into a man that carried his desires instead of these fake desires. So I started desiring marriage. And over the last three years, I, I'm still not married. Right. So I've had to wait. And I I've always thought about it throughout my twenties. Like, Oh gosh, I felt the pressure to get married, but really I don't think I was ready until around 30. So now I've found this thing, just being vulnerable with you. I've found this truth in my life that, you know, I'm looking around and where I live, people get married young, like really young. If you live in the city, people wait a lot longer, but here way out in the sticks in Iowa, um, we get married really, really young, like 19, 20, 18, 25. I mean, 25 is pretty normal, but you know, really young, 18, 19. Um, so I'm looking around these people who have found their spouses and, the temptation for me was just to compare myself to everyone. This is something I feel a lot of like, man, why isn't God releasing this gift to me? And I feel like he's told me I'm going to be married or, and like he's preparing my heart for it and he's speaking to me about it, but why hasn't it happened yet? And it, it reminds me of Proverbs 13, 12 that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So I'm like, God, I'm, I'm into it. I want the tree of life. Hallelujah. But what I'm experiencing over these last three years is the first half hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you're staying in faith for it. You're declaring that this woman of God he has for you is going to be revealed. And then when you don't see it year after year, it's that deferment. And so it, it hurts your heart. So basically I just felt like, you know, because I'm in my thirties, I felt embarrassed to talk to anyone about it. Cause I'm like, gosh, I don't want to seem like the whiny 30 something that like can't find a girlfriend. <laughs> like, cause I, it's, you know, there's a lot to it of like, you're trying to find the right person. You're not trying to just date anybody. I'm looking for someone spirit filled. Like there's all this stuff that has to kind of come with it. But anyway, I remember last year getting into a really tough spot of like the heaviness that came with singleness in that season. And you know, I'm just being honest. You try to rejoice in all things. You, I really do try to walk out the word and seek first the kingdom. But there were moments last year that got really dark and really hard. And I really needed help because I just felt so alone. But I love how Melissa Helzer says, she actually says, um, Jesus forever solved loneliness when he sent the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I, I heard that a couple weeks ago and I was like, amen. So that's ac the actual truth is that we always have Holy Spirit. We are never alone, but sometimes we do feel alone. And so because of that and not having someone in my home with me and just, you know, you're in ministry, you're busy, you really do need help. Um, 
I just got to this place where I was like, well, I'm just not going to talk about it because I don't want to be annoying and I don't want to be embarrassing to people. And I certainly don't want to talk to my younger friends about it because it'll make me look desperate and old and all this stuff. That's like truly not the Lord's heart. It's all from the enemy. God called us into community and into family with one another. But those were the things I was feeling. And you know what I noticed when I held everything in? about what I was actually facing and what I actually needed help with for my community, when I held those feelings in, bad stuff started to grow in me. I was inviting seeds from the enemy to grow. Things like jealousy and bitterness and comparison. God, why have you blessed that person and not me? Did they, Are they better than me? Do you love them more because you've given them this gift and you won't give it to me? And I've begged and I've, I've tried to live my life so pure and I've given up all these addictions and a full lifestyle I gave up to follow you. And, you know, where are you? And it starts all these questions that Satan just loves because he can just lead you by the nostrils wherever he wants because it's offense of some sort. So finally, I had to come to the place to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter if I look weak or something. And that's for guys, we hate that. We hate looking weak. And so that's just a pride thing, though. So I had to throw that away and go to my friend and my friends and tell them what I was going through. And by talking with them, it really just helped. It helped ease the tension. It helped bring me into a place of encouragement. And if I, again, would have refused vulnerability, I would have just stayed in this place and become bitter at God. And like, y'all, we need each other to keep each other on the path with the Lord and to not fall off the side and start getting into our flesh and worldliness. It's so important that we live in vulnerable community. And I experienced that so much personally just over this area of singleness where yes, there is a rawness there, but there's also the goodness of God through his people. I also know that in my life, there's been a struggle to open up about things just because I'm in ministry. Sometimes you feel this lie that again, you can't have any kind of issue in your life because you're in ministry and you're called to a higher standard or something. And I believe if you're in ministry, purity is key. We have to be living in purity. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. So I don't want to be someone in ministry that's like, yeah, I have no cleanliness in my heart and I'm just kind of a mess and I'm just living in sin. And that's not what I'm talking about in my own life. But there are just seasons you go through where you're like, you know, I'm feeling really attacked. I'm feeling really weary. And maybe I'm feeling taken advantage of. I don't know. There's lots of different things that can come up in your heart. And we need to put them on the table so we can realize that, first of all, they're lies. And second of all, that they don't define us. And third of all, that there's healing available. And as we go to our community, they remind us of the healing of the Lord. They remind us of the goodness of God over our lives. And so I so, so, so encourage you today. If this is striking a chord with you, you're like, you know what? It's time for me to make a change. I'm going to say in faith that the Lord is going to help you to do it. He is going to lead you to the right people at the right time, and I want you to pursue it. I want you to be active about pursuing this because it's a huge need for so many families. There are so many fathers out there that are living in complete pride, and they refuse to give the vulnerability that the Father has shown us through giving us his son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we're wondering about how does the Father behave, how does the Father act, how does the Father love, it's the person of Jesus. So I don't know about you, but when I speak to people, when I speak to my future wife and my future kids, and when I talk to my friends and my family right now, I never want to be giving them something other than 
what the father is doing. I want to model God to people. I want to model the person of Jesus to others. Because when I model Jesus well, people want what I'm modeling. They want the real Christ. They want the real Jesus. And the only way we can model that well is by following Holy Spirit in our interactions. It's not by me pretending to be a pure and good Christian. It's by me listening to the promptings of Holy Spirit and being like, you know what? I need to apologize to that person. I need to ask them to forgive me because I'm getting a prompting that I did not speak kindly to them just now. I spoke to them in a tone that was not consistent with how the Father would speak to them. And that takes vulnerability and humility to go up to them. It takes surrender to Holy Spirit to go do that. I'm not saying all of this is easy, and in your flesh it's not easy. But Jesus makes all things possible. Nothing shall be impossible with him. So what would it look like for you today? What would it look like for you to get radical about the vulnerability that you would be operating in, in your family, in your friendships, in your relationships? What would that look like? What could you change? These are just great things to start pondering, and I invite you to journal about them too. I would love for you actually to write down in a journal, say, Father, what are areas of my life that I have refused to surrender to you in vulnerability? And see what he says. Just start free writing. And remember that if you're journaling the voice of the Father ever, if you're ever writing something down and you're listening for Holy Spirit, he is not going to condemn you because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he might bring a word of correction or a word of wisdom or a rebuke, but it's going to help you get somewhere. It's Even in a rebuke, it's not condemnatory. It's not condemnation. So I want to encourage you to start pursuing those areas of your life and asking the Lord, what are these things that I can lay down before you? Recently, I had an experience, and it's actually the reason I'm doing this episode right now. Um, There's this fire in my bones about vulnerability because I just saw that I just witnessed the power of vulnerability this last weekend. So our team goes out and puts on revivals all over the place. And now we're getting to travel outside of Iowa and into other states. So we just did a revival in the Black Hills, and it is so beautiful out there. It was a great time. But at the beginning of the trip, I had this really difficult thing come up that seemed so silly and like such a non-issue, but it actually ended up tanking like half the trip from me. It actually took like the joy out of this trip for me for about half of the time we were there. And basically what happened was that my friend made a joke to me that I took as something that was serious. And we talked about it after and I'll get into that, but sometimes you can tell when someone's saying something to you in jest that there's some grain of truth to it. And so I I knew that because I'm, I'm aware I'm self-aware of things. And so I just felt this kind of distance from him and he's one of my very best friends. And so I was like, Oh no, I feel horrible. Like what if he actually thinks these things of me? What if he thinks that what he, what he had to say was something about basically me being like a lot, like too much, there's too much going on with you right now. And it brought up these things in me about insecurity, basically about me being too much, me being too outgoing. I'm too energetic. I tell too many jokes. I'm too immature. And then I felt embarrassed. I felt like 
oh my gosh, I must be such an embarrassment to my team. I bet my friend's been thinking this about me for a long time. And Satan took my brain into this whole entire chasm of craziness. I mean, just like a swirl of like, I bet everybody thinks this about me and all that. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? I am redeemed. I am a son. What is happening? And I prayed about it. I was like, God, take this offense. I rebuke the spirit of offense. Hallelujah. I bind you in Jesus name. And I was praying and like nothing was happening. I like could not get my mind off of it. So what ends up happening is that this becomes a holy invitation from the Lord to actually practice living from my heart and being vulnerable. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, I'm not going to bring this up to him. I know he was joking. I totally know this was a joke. This is not something I need to spend time on. I know his heart. I love this guy. This There is nothing. I know there is nothing between us. He doesn't hate me. I know these things. But the the enemy jumps on a tiny little grain that'll be invested, like a tiny little seed that's planted into you in some way. He will take that seed and he will grow that thing into a giant weed of despair in your life. And he will fill you with complete accusation. He's the accuser of the brethren who stands before God and accuses us day and night. And we know that his time is limited. He's just like swinging because he's nervous, but like his time is up. It's limited. He's not going to be around much longer. Hallelujah. But all the same, I'm feeling the very real effects of a very real enemy, and I'm feeling the spiritual warfare surrounding all these emotions going on inside of me and my desire to not be vulnerable about it. I did not want to have a conversation because I didn't want to look weak because I'm 33 years old and I'm a man, darn it. Okay, so I was like, I'm not going to bring this up. That's going to be, I'm going to look like such a baby. So instead of bringing it up and just dealing with it in the moment, like, like biblical manhood would suggest, like Matthew 18, go to the person if you've, if you've been offended or something, uh, I stifle it and it stops me from enjoying the trip. It makes me start thinking that other people on the team probably have an issue with me or something. And all these lies start getting deposited one after the other. And this is where the key of living from your heart and vulnerability is so important. Because all of this is what Satan wants to do with your whole life. And I know there are people listening right now who have lived a life like this. You've lived a life where you've kept things secret because you didn't want to inconvenience someone. You didn't want to come across as immature or a baby or, you know, you know, you want to be mature in the Lord. And maturity means that you keep no record of wrong. So that means I don't deal with it, right? I don't think that's what that verse means. <laughs> we don't hold on to things, but it doesn't mean we don't ever deal with them. The way you cannot hold on to them is by dealing with them. So back to my story, I'm sitting there and I'm absolutely miserable during this trip. And this same thing actually had happened to me like two weeks ago when we were in Pennsylvania for a revival. Another comment was said to me that again was a joke, but I knew that there was something behind it that was, it seemed serious. And I felt disrespected and dishonored in front of the team. And Again, this I don't really think this was like a giant ego thing, like I'm really egotistical and can't take a joke. It was something that hit on something deeper in me. So I noticed this second time that it happened a couple days ago, I was like, okay, this is the second time I've been launched into this deep emotional turmoil. So there must be something going on and it needs to be healed. And God's not just removing it from me. I'm praying about it, but it's not going away. I'm still hooked by it emotionally. So after we do this worship rehearsal, I ask my friend who had said this thing to me, hey, would you come with me real quick? 
And we went up the stairs and I just told him, I was like, look, I don't want to bring this up. This is going to sound so dumb and so childish, but I'm having a really hard time with what you said to me the other day because it made me feel really insecure and like there's something wrong with me and that I'm some sort of like loser or something in our friendship. And it spiraled into this thing in my head that people are against me. They don't want to be around me and that I'm some sort of embarrassment. And I know that this is not what you meant, but this is how it is feeling. And so I just wanted to bring this to your attention. And before I even said most of that, he was already like, oh my gosh, I know I wanted to talk to you about that. Like he was on it immediately because he felt something off there too. So by me coming to him, this was giving him an opportunity as well to practice vulnerability. And it actually was really beautiful. And the second I mentioned it to him, the spirit that I was under, the spirit that I was feeling immediately lifted, like it was gone. And so I really believe it was the Lord inviting me to have this communication with him in honesty and openness and integrity. And as a man, like man to man conversation, because it, it grew us both in our relationship with one another. And it grew us in maturity, actually in the Lord, in how to process conflict in a way that doesn't push the other person away or blame the other person but it opened up this door of healing and reconciliation. And now I actually feel closer to him. And so it was an amazing lesson for me. And that's why I felt like I had to do this episode. I was like, people need to know about this. There is power in how you approach someone. There is power when you will open your heart to someone and say, Hey, I know you didn't mean this thing that you said, but when you said it to me, I felt sad and I felt less than because it reminds me of the way people used to talk to me when I was a kid or the way that I was made fun of. That's what I was feeling like when I was growing up, people made fun of me because I was into, you know, the arts or just different than they were because I lived in a rural community and I was out there doing theater and singing and, you know, doing all these things that other guys around me didn't really do. And kids are kids. Like, I don't blame them. I don't hold anything against them. But when people call you gay day after day and, you know, you're a faggot, you're this, you're this, it's like so offensive and so dark. And it's just ultimately people speaking death over your life. So even in that little exchange with my friend the other day, it brought out some of those emotions that I was like, oh my gosh, I need healing for those things. And so if I wouldn't have been honest with him, I would not know that I needed healing from those things because I thought I had dealt with them. But apparently there's still something there that's trying to have some sort of control over me. So I invite you today into this process of living from your heart in vulnerability. And I invite you to get raw before the Lord, get raw before your friends. I'm not talking about bringing up every little issue ever and being dramatic and causing a bunch of drama and annoying people and being unstable. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you really step into a place where you're like, hey, I'm being really hooked by something emotionally and I can't let it go. And I don't know why, because that's not the norm for me. I don't usually walk around in offense. You're going to see God move on your behalf when you become open about it. But if you stifle it and hide it, you're going to find yourself in bondage and resentment and bitterness. The other side of this, too, is maybe you're hearing this and you're like, man, you know what? Someone actually came up to me the other day and told me that I had spoken something to them and I just blew them off. And I said, no, I haven't. You're just being you're being ridiculous. 
maybe ask Holy Spirit about it. Lord, is this a pattern in my life? Do I offend people regularly? Do I mock people a lot? Maybe there's just some pattern. And again, you learned it from growing up and it was a way you maybe even showed love in your own family was by making fun of people. But you're realizing that it's actually being taken the wrong way. It's being taken as cruel. And the Lord wants to resurrect that out of your life so that that character flaw, that thing that you do over and over that offends people, he wants to remove it. And maybe he's bringing people to mind right now that he wants you to go to and actually say these words to, will you forgive me? Not even, I'm sorry. What would it look like if you went up to them and said, will you forgive me? And you left all the power in their hands. Does that scare you? (laughs) I know it can be a scary prospect, but God is faithful and he's told us not to fear and that perfect love casts out fear. So I really am excited about this new era in my own life of living from my heart and vulnerability. And I believe that Jesus is going to resurrect your vulnerability today as you seek him and as you take the steps that he lays out before you. Let me pray for you, and then we'll call it a day. Oh, King Jesus, you are so wonderful. Thank you, God, for who you are. We love you, Jesus. We just sit in your presence right now, and God, I just, I feel your presence right here as I'm recording this. And Lord, I pray your presence goes right through the phone or the computer that people are listening from. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would build a desire in your people for true vulnerability. No more surface conversations. No more just living on the edge with people and never going deep. Father, I pray that we would step into the waters of vulnerability and swim deep and know that you are right there beside us and that you will not leave us or forsake us. Father, I pray that you would bring to mind the areas that we need to lift up to you and become raw in, the areas that we need to present to others for help or for apology, God. I don't know what it looks like for forgiveness, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would prompt us and that you would give us the strength and the power through Holy Spirit who lives in us to walk in fullness and renewal and healing in these areas that the enemy wants to keep silent and wants to keep us in pride over. Father, I break the spirit of pride right now. I command the spirit of pride that has controlled us for so long to come up and out and be sealed back in hell where it belongs. I command every spirit of arrogance to be silenced in Jesus' name. And I plead the blood of Jesus over every person listening to this. I don't care how long you've held out. I don't care how long the situation you've been in has gone on and you just haven't spoken about it. Today is the day of redemption. Today is the day of salvation. And today is the day to make Jesus the Lord of your emotions. So God, I pray you would equip us and empower us to do this well. We love you, Lord. We bless your name forever. Thank you, King Jesus, for what you're doing even this minute in the people listening. In Jesus' resurrected name I pray, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this challenges you in a really good way. None of these episodes are meant to bring condemnation. They're meant to bring freedom in your life. God bless you today. Enjoy him. Know that you're his friend and operate from there. I'll talk to you next time.